Okay, here we go. Welcome to Adventure's first teaching series of 2021, the original Big Ten. Well, um, if you haven't been here uh, recently, we've been going through the Ten Commandments. We're at number eight today, but before we dive into this commandment, I want to tell you uh, a uh, story about uh, one of the most interesting uh, characters of my uh, childhood, and that is about my great aunt, Alta Bell. We called her Alti. Um, she, uh, she never married, and I believe she spent uh, most of her life growing up on the family farm. By the time I knew her, she was in her 70s, and the family f- uh, farm had been sold. She lived in a small brick apartment building on Phillips Street in Kokomo, Indiana. And uh, since uh, she lived alone, she often got the honor of babysitting myself and uh, my siblings, which um, I thought was great because I was her, I was her favorite. My sister, on the other hand, <laughs> didn't think that was great because she was not the favorite. But I had a lot of fond memories there on Phillips Street at my great aunt uh, Alti's house. Um, especially, uh, she let us eat whatever we want. And uh, I remember... One of my favorite meals was chip beef and gravy. It wasn't until later in life that I learned that that has another name, which I won't share with you right now. <laughs> if you want to share it with your uh, neighbor, go right ahead. I also experienced fry, fried bologna, which is better than it sounds, uh, especially a little cheese on it. But my favorite, my favorite food that she fixed us uh, was, was the Chef Boyardee pizza in a box. Do they, do they, do they, do you, can you get that anymore? Oh, I need to tell my wife. I might, might, might try that sometimes. <laughs> Anyways, when she, uh, uh, when she wasn't babysitting us, she was calling our house, which annoyed my dad, because this was back in the day um, when the phone was still on the wall, and there's no caller ID. And so you got to answer because you don't know who it is, and then it would be my aunt, and he would be annoyed. But she wasn't uh, a wealthy woman, but she always uh, made sure she had presents, Christmas presents for myself and my, my family members, usually socks, which I was fine with because I wore them out. But since she wasn't uh, very wealthy, it makes what I'm about to tell you um, personally quite shameful. You see, Alti was the only person I ever stole from. I, uh, I only did it once, never did it again because the guilt just uh, ate me up. And even now, I think about uh, what I did. I just shake my head and, and regret. But how it happened is uh, there's a convenience store down from her apartment uh, house on uh, Phillips Street that she would often send me um, to get bread, milk, or what have you. You'll go, go get this. You know, I was her favorite, so she let me go do stuff like that. And, and uh, there was this video game at the back of the convenience store. I think it was, I think it was Defender. Um, but I, whatever video game it was, I enjoyed video games. And, and uh, one particular day, she sent me on an errand, and uh, she said, go get the money. And the thing, the thing is, when I went to get the money, I took a little extra for myself because I planned on playing some video games. And my conscience has just bothered me ever since. And I planned on, I was like eight or nine. And I planned on someday when I got older and I had money, I was going to pay her back. I was con- going to confess, but she passed away before I could, could do that. 
And it's just something I've, it's always, always bothered me. I didn't get to make things right. And when you think about the sin of stealing, I don't think it's something that you ever forget. Whether you stole something or something was stolen from you, the sting, the stinging effect of stealing involves uh, everyone. And that's why it's one of the big ten of God's commandments. Number eight, Exodus 20, 15, you must not steal. Now, as we get into this commandment, there's something very interesting about it because this commandment alone encompasses and relates to all the other commandments. But before we get into how that happens, let me ask you this question. There in your introduction, if you got your notes out, is it ever okay to steal? I mean, what's the big deal about one cookie out of the cookie jar, right? I mean, nobody's ever taken a cookie out of the cookie jar. My boys know that they better stay out of my cookie jar because I'm kind of fond of, of cookies. I really, really like, really like cookies. But think about that question. Is it ever okay to steal? I mean, what about uh, stealing from the rich and giving to the poor? I mean, who doesn't like a good Robin Hood story? I mean, I, I, if you watch Robin Hood, you're always cheering for Robin Hood. Uh, personally, I like the, the movie uh, version, Mel Brooks's version, Men in Tights. Uh, that's, uh, that's comedy there. I like the, m the movie, not Men in Tights, okay? Uh, <laughs> don't, get, don't get that wrong. Please don't misunderstand me. <laughs> okay. But no matter how much you like a good Robin Hood story, no, it's never okay to steal. It's always uh, wrong. And the, the unique perspective of this commandment, it's very short. It doesn't elaborate. And it doesn't tell us, God doesn't say what it is we are not to steal. He simply says, do not take anything that belongs to another person. So that's where we begin our study. Point number one, thou shalt not steal anything from anyone. Don't steal anything from the poor, from the rich. Don't steal from anybody who's big, tall, black, white, American, foreigner. It doesn't matter who, and it doesn't matter what. Don't steal it. And think about it. That that makes sense because universally it's understood that it's wrong to steal from country to country, from culture to culture, from religion to religion. Everybody agrees that it is wrong to steal. There's even a code among thieves, at least according to the movies, that one thief doesn't steal from another, another thief. Because if you do, you get shot, according to the movies. So what do we do with this commandment? What do we do with it today? Because I'm assuming I'm not dealing with a room full of kleptomaniacs. That's my assumption. <laughs> so what do we do with it? You might be thinking, ah, do not steal. I'm going to go get another donut. Which wouldn't be stealing because they're free. So what do we do with it? Well, maybe, maybe you're not a shoplifter. But let's, let's take just one step back to that first point before we go to step two. Don't steal anything. And now I want you to broaden your thinking and understand point number two. The commandment to not steal anything includes non-material things that belong to others. And this is immensely important. I mean, this command of stealing, of stealing, non, uh, stealing includes non-material things that other, uh, other persons own. And we're not going to cover everything that that might be. We're going to look at three big areas 
where this non-material items um, can be categorized. And the first one is A, don't steal a person's reputation. And this can be done in a few different ways, but mainly it's done through gossiping. I mean, when you talk about a, a, another person, you're essentially stealing their reputation. When you spread rumors, a malicious slander, another person's name, aren't you taking something very precious from them? Paul speaks, speaks about this in Ephesians 5, 4, there in your notes. says, though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, Christians have better use for language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. I like this last phrase. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. In the book of James, chapter 3, verse 7, he goes on to say, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and full of evil, full of deadly poison. What, what is that poison mostly? It's mostly gossip and slander. But some of you might be thinking, well, what if the gossip is true? <laughs> is there any other type of gossip? I mean, it's true. And I know a few people know it, so I'm just going to share it. But what if it's true? No, it's still not okay. Remember... Remember what Paul said, that's not our style. That's not how we roll. But even though something may be true, it's not necessarily our place to share said truth. And there are different reasons for that, but the main reason for that is that not everybody can handle the truth. You see, when we share certain truths or half-truths, we are putting an undue burden on people who may not be asking for it. Did you know that when you gossip, over half the time, I would say even closer to 80% of the time, that person would have rather not known that fact about that other person because now they've got to carry this burden. Now there's a simple way, a very simple way to guard yourself against stealing a person's reputation through gossip or slander or what have you, and that is to remember this, this, this uh, number one rule. Write this down, okay? Everyone, and I mean everyone, is on a need-to-know basis, okay? So if I don't need to know, don't tell me. Pastor Tony doesn't need to know, don't tell him, okay? If your friend doesn't need to know, don't tell them. If your coworker, even if your spouse doesn't need to know, don't tell them. Listen, you know, as, as a pastor, as most pastors, we, we find out information from a lot of our parishioners, either directly and unfortunately sometimes indirectly. But I don't share it with others. I, I, I guard that. And there's a couple reasons why. And the first one is I want to protect your reputation. I want to protect your reputation. Because think, think about this. When you steal property, that can be given back or can be compensated for, right? But when you steal a person's name, when you steal their, reputa your, their reputation, it is very difficult to clear that name. Very difficult. Now, the second reason I don't gossip and share things about others that, or about you that I might know is... Uh, is I want to protect your dignity. So be a person's dignity. You know, the, the act of, of stealing a person's dig dignity is the act of humiliating them. You know, you're, you're, uh, 
you're dealing with disrespecting the value of, of who they are. And even if they've done something wrong, God says you don't have the right to humiliate another person. Especially in public, but we find it easy to do over social media because, you know, we're a lot more courageous then with our words. But a lot of times you think about this, when we steal a person's dignity and humiliate them, we do it because we're, we're angry, there's a problem. We usually do it in the midst of conflict, right? That's when it usually happens. And I, I don't want to take a side road here and talk about how to deal with conflict, but let's remember, as followers of Christ, that God has given us biblical ways to handle conflict. And there is no place in Scripture where God gives us permission to steal someone's dignity, even if they have harmed us. And so, so here's a second key that will help you not steal somebody's dignity. So write this down too. You need to remember, in conflict, okay, and you've got to confront someone, remember this. Always do it in private and in person whenever possible, okay? I mean, if you've got to make a phone call because there's just no other way, but when all possible, do it in private or in person or, and in person whenever possible. So you protect another one's, someone's reputation by remembering we're all on a need-to-know basis. You protect people's dignity by remembering, hey, if I've got a problem with somebody, I'm going to go to them in private and, uh, um, and uh, deal, with, uh, deal with it just one-on-one. Now, a third area that we steal from, that's non-material, is see a person's trust. Stealing a person's trust is basically deceit. You know, in the Hebrew language of Scripture, um, this, this idea of deceit is actually uh, defined as stealing knowledge or stealing another, another person's mind, which is basically you're, you're, you're conning them. You're tricking them into doing something or buying something that if they had all the facts, they wouldn't otherwise do, whether it be a car or a house or participating in some activity, you've conned them in to doing it or, being, or participating because they don't have all the information. But here, are, let's look at a couple of examples of stealing a person's trust that might be cl- hit closer to home. And so uh, one of them is stealing time. A study done by the Robert Half Personnel Agency has calculated that time theft will cost the American economy as much as $70 billion a year. And so they have broken that down in the many different ways that that happens. By arriving late to work, leaving early from work, taking unjustified sick days, extensive socializing, inattention to the job at hand. That can also, depending on what job you're doing, can cause you harm. Operating, now get this one, operating a business on the side during working hours, excessive uh, personal phone calls, on the do- you would be surprised how much time stealing goes on with this one. On the job, daydreaming and fantasizing. Okay? It's enormous. And then last but not least, long and frequent coffee and snack breaks, which were my favorite time. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when I graduated high school, I went right to work for my dad. He was a contractor, and that was my favorite time. It wasn't, wasn't so much lunchtime because we'd often go somewhere for lunch, but, but break time... All of the guys from different, um, you know, the plumbers, the heating guys, you know, we would all often, 
you know, come together during break time. And, and as a young, young man, I liked hanging out with the older guys. And I always brought my thermos of coffee. And my favorite uh, thing to bring with that was like a uh, stack of Oreos. And uh, I'd, fill up, I'd fill up my coffee and I'd dunk them in there and just listen to them, um, the, the old guys talk. And, but I remember, I remember my dad told me um, that first summer, he said, now son, you know, you, you are my son, I'm the owner of the company. And so you represent, you represent me. So whether, it's, whether you're working or whether you're taking a break, um, remember that, set a, set a good example. And I, I, I did always remember that because I didn't, I didn't want to be that. I didn't want everybody else to hate me because I was the boss's son. But I want to remind you that even though you might have an employer who signs your paycheck, if you're a follower of Christ, then he is your boss. You work for him while you're temporarily living on this third rock from the sun. And so represent Christ well, whether you're working for others, or you're serving here at the church. Now, real quick, another uh, area we break trust is the stealing of ideas. This would be uh, stealing person's words like plagiarism or downloading music or or movies uh, without paying for them. But whether it's material um, property or intellectual property or a person's reputation or dignity or their trust, there's hardly an aspect of human life that is not harmed, sometimes irreparably so, by stealing. And listen, we have just real quickly, just barely scratched the surface of the problem with humanity's issue of stealing. We've said nothing to the most grievous and greatest sin our world participates, our country even participates in, and that is the stealing of other human beings. Kidnapping and sex and human trafficking, there are more slaves than there's ever been. And in most of those cases, additional stealing happens by stealing a person's innocence through rape and molestation. I mean, that's the extreme example of human stealing. But where does Where does that begin? It doesn't begin there. It begins back, this very beginning of the idea of taking, no, just one cookie out of the cookie jar. But Paul, or Peter, in 1 Peter, he says, it begins by embracing evil. That's where it begins. So 1 Peter 2, 1 says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, not some, all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all kind, and unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow in a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Have you had a taste of the Lord's kindness? Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you tasted and discovered that God is good? Listen, the kindness of our, of our God of our loving Savior, Jesus Christ, the comforting of the Holy Spirit. It is amazing. But God's kindness cannot be stolen. You can't take it from him. You can only receive it. And the good news is, is that he freely gives it to anyone who will receive it. So I ask you this morning, have have you tasted it? 
Have you received it? And if you're sitting there like, wondering, like, I'm not really sure what the heck you're talking about. Or maybe you absolutely know, no, I don't think I do. I don't think I have. Well, I can tell you why. I can tell you why you haven't received the kindness, the goodness of God, and that's because you're holding on to something else. Your hands and arms are full of something else. You see, by grasping and taking what you perceive to be good for you in life, you are essentially trying to steal God's goodness, and it can't be done. You can only receive it. You see, when you try to steal God's goodness, you are ultimately trying to steal from God. And that is the most overlooked aspect of this eighth commandment, stealing from God. Look here at number three. The commandment to not steal anything from anyone includes not stealing from God. And here here is how we see this eighth commandment starts to encompass and relate to the other other commandments. So, So for example... Let's go back to the beginning of the Ten Commandments where it talks about worshiping other gods. When you do that, you're ultimately stealing God's honor. Misusing God's name is stealing God's reputation. Murder is stealing another person's life, but it's also stealing the life that God gave. Adultery, it's stealing another person's spouse, but even more, it is taking what God has joined together and tearing it apart. Coveting is the desire to steal what belongs to another person, but, but it's, it's coveting to steal something which God has blessed them with. Giving false testimony is both st- stealing justice from another person and their reputation, both the reputation giving them dignity by God, but justice, God says, that's mine. And you can't steal it from anyone, not me or another person. And so this whole, this whole idea of stealing just explodes throughout the Ten Commandments. It encompasses them. But where does, that, where does the, this uh, break down? Where, where, do we, where do we get off track and, and start to go down this slippery sto- slope of stealing not just from others, but from God. Where, where does that begin? It begins with our worship of God. Because if you think about it, our personal worship of our God creator begins with recognizing that he has given us so much. He's given us life. And so we begin our, we begin our worship by giving back to him. And one of the main ways we do that is through our tithes and generosity back to him. In Malachi 3.9, it says, God says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in your house. Test me in, in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. See, if you won't steal from God in this, in this place, in, in the tithing aspect, and you learn to trust him there, then you're like, oh, I'm not going to steal, I'm not going to steal from God in these other areas either. And you begin to grow and mature in your relationship with him. You see, listen, we've only got a couple commandments left. So as we near the end of this study, I want to make sure that we are on the same page and we get something straight. These, these 10 commandments are not something that we are just to shoot for. 
Oh, I hope I can do that one day. These Ten Commandments are not just set aside for the good Christians. No, they're they're not something like, well, I just need to get a passing grade. So eight out of ten ain't bad. Yes, it is. (laughs) And so if you do not hear anything else this morning, hear this, our conclusion. God commands us to live at a minimum standard, the Ten Commandments. He, he commands that. But then he asks, he calls us to follow his son, Jesus Christ, and give our lives as a living sacrifice to him. You see, some people struggle to maybe understand this, so let me ex, ex, uh, expand on it a little bit. When you think about all world religions, all world religions, they agree on a majority of the Ten Commandments. And so it's as, if, it's, as, it's as if God is saying, listen, my people, I need you to at least live as good as everybody else. But I've called you to follow my son. And by following him, you're, you're going to give your life just as he gave your life. You see, Jesus didn't die and give his life so that you would be obedient. He died and gave his life so that you could live, so that you could have eternal life and that you could give to others. God is a giver, and he wants us to become a giver just like him, just like his son. Now there was a young man that Jesus ran into, and we read here in the Gospels, that struggled with this concept because he was, he was obeying, but he wasn't following. Let's look at this conversation Jesus has with him in verse 16. There in the 19th chapter, Matthew says, Someone came to Jesus with this question, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good, but to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. And I think Jesus just wanted to move on, but the guy comes back, which ones? And Jesus replied, this should sound familiar, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, do not steal, do not commit... false testimony, honor your father father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And he comes right back. I think he interrupts, because I don't think Jesus was done. Hey, I've obeyed these. Got it, got it. I've obeyed these. What else must I do? So Jesus slows down. He says, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Then the, the disciples, then Jesus said to the disciples, I tell you the truth, it is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's impossible, but with God, everything is possible. Then Peter said to him, hey, We've given up everything to follow you. What are we going to get out of this? Which is typical Peter. And Jesus replied, I assure, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. 
I want to ask you before we close, what have you given up to follow Jesus? Or what are you giving up to follow Jesus? Did you know that when you hold on to everything that you have, you are ultimately trying to steal from God and also steal from yourself? You're stealing blessings from yourself. So look at these last couple, these last couple points that kind of encompass our relationship with God. So A, when we steal from God, we steal from everyone. It is the most selfish thing that we can do. Now why is that? I mean, because sometimes, you know, we see people in need, see people who desperately are, are in need, and isn't, it, isn't that the best thing to do is to really give to someone is in need? Listen, when we don't give to God first, we are denying the fact, the truth, that God knows best. He, he knows all, he knows everybody's needs, and he knows the best way to help meet those needs. And one of those ways is, is through the church. And so when we steal from God, we steal from everyone. The most selfish thing we can do, but B, when we give to God, we give to everyone. It's the most generous thing that we can do. You know, it still eats me up about what I did to my great aunt, Altie Bell. Um, I, can't, I can't make it right. But you know, there are, there are a lot worse things that I don't want to tell you that I can't make right either that I've done. Things I've said to people, things that uh, I did that either because they're completely out of my life or they've passed away that I can't make right. Maybe I said I'm sorry, but I still never made it right. And maybe there's some things eating you up that you can't make right. Even if the, pers- even, even if the person is living and ultimately you've said you're sorry and the relationship is, you know, seems good, ultimately, as human beings, we can't make anything right. Only Jesus can. And so the best thing that we can do to make things right is to give our lives to him. You give your life to him in every way, and then guess what he does? He does what he does best. He makes things new, and he makes things right. And if you, if you trust him, if you trust that, then it makes giving yourself to him easy. Have you done that? Have you given your life to him? That's something that you haven't done. You can do it today. In fact, let's pray about it. Heavenly Father, Lord, there's a lot of things that eat us up with guilt, whether it's stealing in some form or manner. You know, our our anger sometimes gets the best of us. It's not just a greed uh, issue. But Father, I I just pray... I pray for the the souls here that are feeling lost, that uh, that don't know your goodness, that haven't tasted it, haven't received it. And if if you haven't received God's goodness, his gift of Jesus and eternal life, then just pray right now this morning, God, help me surrender. Help me surrender and give my life to you. I know, I know that it's more than just a prayer, but I want to begin today, Lord. Help me, to, help me to empty my hands of what I'm holding on to so that I can receive from you.
It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.